Happy Easter, everybody. He has risen. He has risen indeed. That's right. And I am so glad that you've joined us to celebrate that this morning at all of our campuses as well as online. I just need to tell you that I have been looking forward to celebrating this morning with you for months. Because while as a pastor, I've always enjoyed Easter services and Easter Sunday morning, but this year is different. This year, what we're celebrating is even more personal for me. Because today, I find myself not just wanting to enjoy celebrating the resurrection, I find myself in desperate need of the joy and hope that the resurrection of Jesus brings because it is a joy that transcends my circumstances and it is a hope that will never die. And that's what we're celebrating today. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only person here today in need of some joy and some hope. And the great news of Easter is that because Jesus has come back to life, there is hope for your life. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with today, there is hope because of the resurrection. Not because I say so, but because what God did that first Easter Sunday morning. Check it out. Notice uh, there on the top of your outline these great words from 1 Peter chapter 1. <coughs> it says, in his great mercy, he, talking about God, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And for the last three weeks, we as a church have been wrestling with this idea of living hope. What does it mean to have living hope? And what we've discovered is that living hope is not just wishful thinking. Living hope is not just optimism. It's not just about looking on the bright side of circumstances. Living hope is based on the certainty of God's promises. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the yes to every promise God has ever made us. And because of that, we can live in hope. In spite of the losses from our past, in spite of the pain in our present, in spite of the fear of the future, we can live in hope. And so this morning, I just want to briefly share with you three reasons. Three reasons why you can live in that hope. And I believe if there was ever a day for you to take some notes, that day is today. Because this is life-changing. Number one, the first reason I can live in hope is because my past has been forgiven. I can live in hope because my past has been forgiven. 
One of the biggest barriers to being hopeful about the future is the reality of the pain in our past. And let's get real, we all have a past. We all have failures. We all have flaws. We've all made mistakes. There's not a one of us in here today who has not been wounded by life in some way, shape, or form. We may have been wounded differently, but we all carry the scars. Some of us, those scars are are from decisions and choices we made. Some of those scars come from the decisions and choices that other people have made. But they all are a part of our life. The question isn't what is in your past. The question you need to answer is will you keep letting your past dictate your present and determine your future? Because you don't have to. You don't have to live that way. Have you ever felt like because of your past, that you were kind of permanently sentenced to a less than life. That you kind of had to settle for a second place life. Maybe because of something you've done or, or something that was done to you. You thought, well, you know, maybe at one time maybe God had a plan and a purpose for my life. But, but the jig is up. That's over now. It, it's not going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe God can forgive me. And I can squeak into heaven when my life is over. But God really used me? No way. And let me just tell you something. If that's you this morning, I am convinced that you are here today by divine intervention. I don't know why you think you came. Maybe because, you know, it's Easter and that's what you do. Or you spent that money on those new clothes and you, you got to show them off. Or maybe grandma said if you're going to eat lunch at her house, you better come to church first. I mean, I don't know why you came here today. But I know God brought you here today to say you don't have to allow your past to keep jacking up your life. In fact, look at what the Bible says. Colossians 2, it says, you were dead because of your sins. That's true. We were all dead because of our sins, but that's not the end of the story. It says, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. All means all. How did he do that? He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. I want you to circle that phrase, canceled the record. That's very, very important. Because see, God, when he sent Christ to die on the cross, it didn't just even the score for your past, it wiped your past away completely. Anybody remember Jesus' last words on the cross? What's the last thing Jesus says? It is It is finished. We hear that, and it sounds like defeat. It's over. Throw in the towel. It's done. That's not what Jesus is saying. That three-word phrase in English, it is finished, in the Greek language, which is the language the New Testament was meant in, it's not three words. It's one word. It is the word tetelestai. It is a Greek accounting term. And do you know what it means? Paid in full. That word to tell us how would be written across the bottom of an invoice or an account 
or a bill or a receipt to say, it's been paid off. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to stress over it. It is finished. It's done. See, here's the thing. Most of us struggle with our past because we keep trying to figure out how we can pay for it ourselves, how we can make up for it. Most of us deal with our past in one of three ways. Some of us just hide it. Just repress it, stuff it down, sweep it under the rug, it, just keep it a secret. If nobody knows, it won't mess me up. The problem with our secrets is that's what keeps making us sick. It's still there. It may be hidden, but it's not gone away. Some of us try to deal with our past by minimizing it. We say, well, you know, it wasn't really all that bad. Maybe those things were wrong back in the day, but it's a new culture, a new generation. There's a new truth, and it wasn't really that bad. Or, or we compare ourselves to others. We minimize our past by saying, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than them. I'm not as bad as that person. The problem with is, guess what? It's still there. Some of us try to deal with our past by paying for it ourselves. Fix the bad things you've done by doing two good things. You know, be a little better, a little more good than you have bad, as if there's some cosmic scale out there. Let me tell you, there is a cosmic scale in the weight of your sin. You can never earn the forgiveness. But the great news of Easter is you don't have to. Jesus has paid it all to telestai. It's done the slate is clean, and that is the only way you can be free from your past. you got to give it to the one who's already paid for it. How do you do that? It's pretty clear and simple. Look at what the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we, what? What's that word? If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all, there's that word again, all unrighteousness. Do you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with. That's what confession is. To agree with God about the reality of your past. To agree with God that you've broken his law, you've gone outside of his bounds, and it's messed your life up, and that your life has become unmanageable for you. That's what it means. Confess means to, that I agree with God about the wrong in my past, but it doesn't stop there. Confess also means that I agree with God that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to pay my debt. Think about this. Think about this. Every time I allow a confessed sin from my past to keep messing up my present, do you know what I'm saying to God? That Jesus' death wasn't enough. That the price he paid, the beating he took, the blood he shed, the tragic, painful death he suffered, that's not enough, God. Thank you for that. That gets me part of the way there, but I got to work on it. I got to fix it. I got to deal with it. No, agree with God. Yes, your past is jacked up, but yes, also, it has been paid in full. Listen, you cannot change your past. You can't. And chances are you will never forget what you've been through, but the good news of Easter is you don't have to allow it to keep controlling your life. You can live in hope because the chains of your past have been broken by Jesus.
But it doesn't end there. There's a second reason why we can live in hope. And that is because my present has a purpose. I can live in hope because my present has a purpose. See, for some of us here this morning, it's not the pain of our past that keeps messing up our life. It's the reality of our right now. It's the reality of the pain we're going through, the the struggle we're going through, the emptiness we feel. We run after things in this world, and they're good for a while, but they ultimately leave us empty, and that's what we're dealing with. The good news of Easter is not just your past has been forgiven, but everything in our lives has a purpose. Hear me. Everything in our lives has a purpose. The night before Jesus was arrested and tried and crucified, he gathered his closest friends in that barred upper room, and they shared that last supper together. And in that intimate context, Jesus made many, many powerful statements to them. But one of them, I think, probably confused them. It's recorded in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Jesus says to his disciples, In a little while, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Now Paul's right there. Look up here for a second. What's Jesus doing? He's predicting his death and resurrection. In a little while, the world's not going to see me, but you're going to see me. I am coming back to life. And then notice what Jesus says are the results of his resurrection. Look at the last part of the verse. Jesus says, because I live, you will live too. The, The message paraphrase of that verse Jesus says, I am, because I am alive, you are about to come alive. And I imagine the disciples going, what? I thought we were alive. What do you mean we're about to come alive? What have we been doing for all these years? What do you mean we're about to come alive? But what Jesus is saying is that because I am coming back to life, your life is about to have a greater purpose. Jesus said, because of my resurrection, your life is about to get woke. The blinders are about to come off. You're about to see that the purpose of your life is bigger than yourself. The purpose of your life is for a kingdom that is eternal, for a mission that really matters. You're about to come alive to a life that's bigger than just looking good and feeling good and having the goods. Because while those things are nice for a little while, they are ultimately empty. And here's what's interesting. If you examine the lives of the disciples after Jesus' resurrection, after they get woke, two things are very obvious. One, they have a powerful, overwhelming sense of mission. They have a mission to carry the message of God's hope and forgiveness to the world. And they are successful. You know how I know they are successful? Because here we are 2,000 years later, and I know that today over 2 billion people all around the planet in every country on the face of the earth, people are celebrating the resurrection. They were successful in their mission. But the second thing that happened to them when they got woke, when they came back to life, was that they had struggles. They had pain. They faced persecution. They were rejected. They were betrayed. They were disappointed. And eventually all of them would die a martyr's death for their faith. Here's my point. Living in hope is not about everything in your life going right. Living in hope is recognizing that everything in your life 
has a purpose. One of God's greatest promises to us is that he works in everything. He works everything in our life together for our good and for his glory. And I'm going to just tell you, for the last seven and a half months, I've been holding on to that promise with everything I have. And there are days I beg God, show me, bring something good out of this pain. Bring something good out of our struggle. And every day, if I'm paying attention, I see little glimmers of hope. Little ways that God is bringing good out of the ashes of our family's pain and tragedy. And I'm going to tell you, that little bit, it doesn't make me miss my son any less. And it doesn't make my pain any less. But it gives me the hope I need to get through another day. And that hope is available for you. Because God doesn't want to waste anything you're going through, good or bad. You can live in hope because you have a purpose. I want to ask you a question. I'm a little hesitant to ask it today. But I, I want you to understand my heart because the question itself could almost come off as a little condescending. Like when you were a teenager and your mom or dad or grandparent, somebody would ask you this question and it was always like, like throwing something on you. That's not my intention here. I ask this question out of love. And my question is simply this. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with the days you have been given on this earth? Because every one of them is so precious. Are you living for yourself? Are you living for the here and now? Because let me tell you, you were created for so much more. And because God created you on purpose, for a purpose bigger than yourself, settling for less will always leave you empty. It will always leave you struggling. But you don't have to live that way. You can live in hope because your life every day has purpose. You can live in hope if you receive God's forgiveness for your past. And if you will do those two things, you will experience the greatest reason for hope ever. And that is the promise of eternity. That's the last thing on your outline. The third reason why we can live in hope is because my future is secure. I can live in hope because my future is secure. I don't know if you know this about yourself, but one of our deepest needs as human beings is security. We long to feel secure. In fact, for most of us, it is the driving force of our life. Did you know that? Your desire for security is often what causes you to do the things you do and to act the way you act. We all need security. That's how God made us. And the reason we struggle with it is because we put our security in things that don't last. This past week, I was fascinated by all the different ways that people responded to the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. There were all kinds of responses. And of course, you know, you know how we do. We can make something political out of anything. But anyway, I was just watching online. And let me, I just want you to know, you know what my gut level response was? On Monday, 
when I saw the footage of those flames, that, that beautiful cathedral, they've been around for a thousand years, stone, gorgeous cathedral, the center of the city of Paris. You know what I saw when I saw that blaze burning? through? You know what went through my mind? There ain't nothing on this earth that is secure. There is nothing on this earth that you can anchor your life to that cannot be taken away. So let me ask you, what's your Notre Dame? What are you trying to find security in? What are you anchoring your life to? For some of us, it's ourselves. What I can accomplish, what I can do, what I can fix, how I can take care of myself. We're anchored to our own pride. Some of us anchor our lives to other people. A a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a, a parent, a child. We look for security in the people around us. Now listen, nothing wrong with loving the people. Nothing wrong with healthy relationships. Nothing wrong with being a responsible, freestanding adult in society. Nothing wrong. Those things aren't bad. You just need to understand they don't last. They don't last. The only thing truly worth anchoring our lives to is Jesus. Period. End of story. He is the only thing worth anchoring our lives to. He is the only thing that can never be taken from you. I want to close with this last verse on your outline. Those of you who have been around the last couple of weeks, you know this 1 Peter 1 verse 3 We've been looking at this every Sunday for a month. But now, as Paul Harvey would say, I want to give you the rest of the story. Here it is. God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yeah, heard that every week. But here's the rest of the story. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We can live in hope because our future is secure. Is yours? Is your future secure? Is your hope anchored in something that will last forever? If not, why would you go another moment without grasping hold of the love that God has shown. You know, this morning is a part of our Easter celebration. At all of our campuses, we're going to be celebrating New Life Baptism. And I love the fact that we're doing that on Easter Sunday because it is a perfect picture of exactly what we are talking about. Because the folks who are coming forward to be baptized today are demonstrating outwardly the hope that they have inwardly. A hope built on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the eternal one. And through their baptizing, being baptized, they are making a commitment to Jesus that they are allowing him to forgive them of their past. They're receiving that forgiveness whole and complete. They're committing to live for his purposes, not their own. And they are looking forward to a future in eternity with him. That's the decision that they have made. This morning, my question is, 
what decision are you going to make? So I want to ask you just for a moment, all of our campuses, just, just close your eyes just for a moment. Because I believe that some of you are here today and God is speaking to your heart. You've never experienced anything like this, but you know you are drawn to this truth because God is drawing you to himself. And if that's you this morning, if you are ready to live in hope, all you have to do is reach out to him. Just in your heart, just cry out to him and and say, God, I want to receive that forgiveness because I'm sick and tired of my past messing up my life. Just get real, just agree with him, just confess, be honest with yourself and with him. And then say, Jesus, I want to commit to live for your purposes. I don't even know what those purposes are, Lord, but I know what I'm looking for now is insufficient. And then just say, Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new creation from the inside out. Transform not the outside that is wasting away. Transform the inside that lives forever. And the Bible said, if that's you, if you have... That's the cry of your heart. You become a new creation. doesn't mean you leave here today and all your issues are fixed. It just means you have a new path, a new direction, the direction that brings hope into every breath you take. Many of you are here today and you are believers. You've received that forgiveness, but you keep letting your past jack up your present. You know you're called to live for his purposes, but you've been sidetracked by the shiny things of this earth. And you've been living for yourself, or you've been living for the expectations of others. You've been living for something other than the call of the God who created you, a mission that he created you to be a part of. If that's you this morning, make today, this Easter, a time of renewal and recommitment to live your life focused and following him, the one who gives us hope. Father, move among your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.